You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. A preview of the passion. Over 1400 years before Christ came, the scripture was pointing towards his death on the cross with this passage. You can recall that just in Numbers chapter 20 is when right before this, Moses got that water from the rock, but he didn't speak to the rock as he was instructed. He struck the rock and he didn't honor God before the people. They were in their 40th year. Amen. This is this is the home stretch. They were supposed to go up from Mount Sinai and it came to Kadesh Barnea and it took them two years. And you recall in Numbers chapter 13, they were supposed to go into the land, but they were not able to go into the land because of unbelief. They didn't believe God could get it done. And he told them, you're going to wander around the same tree in the same bush, the same rock for another 38 years and then I will bring you in. Everybody that's under the age of 20 will be brought in, but everybody over the age of 20, you'll, you'll die here in the desert. And here we are in Numbers chapter 21 and they are getting ready to go in the land. They've just buried, uh, Miriam, uh, and then, and, and, and right after that, they're also burying, uh, excuse me, Aaron. And Moses has been told you're not going in. They're in their 40th year again in the home stretch. This is a new crew of people but they're the same. Just like there are new people here on this earth, but we still are have the same, come on somebody, the same disposition, the same outlook, the same attitude. It just kind of, as they say, history just repeats itself. And they were supposed to, they thought from where they were, and this is true, that, that if the Edomites would have let them come into the land, they would have gone just like 20 miles this way and then right up the way of the Philistines, I believe it was, or the King's Highway, excuse me, right into the land. But instead of that short journey, Moses, because the Edomites would not let them go along that King's Highway, they had to go all the way down, 80 miles down, cross a mountain and go a 100 miles up. And they were not happy that's the setting and even though time should have led them to truth and not falsehood the fact that this detour increased the length of the trip uh it it really reminds us of our journey as as human beings amen in this life and this day of resurrection I'll remind you, as I told some folks before the service started, this day of resurrection would not be needed if it was not for our insurrection. This day that we celebrate would not have to take place if we weren't who we were. Amen. So I want you to notice in this passage the dissatisfaction of the people. Amen. And when I say the people, I want you to by extension, see yourself. Amen. I want you to see me and I want you to see yourself and I want you to see generations of, of folks when they, they had traveled from Mount Or and down to the route of the Red Sea. And again, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? 
Even though Deuteronomy would tell you and other passages will tell you that when you do an accounting of what God did for them, they said, listen, he said, your clothes never wore out. Your shoes never wore out. Your feet never swelled. I did give you food. I fed you with the manna. And we just heard how in Numbers chapter 20, they had just enjoyed water from the rock. But when you're about you, and it's all about you, you forget to see what God has done. And you say, there is no bread. There is no water. And then after you say that there is no bread, then you realize that God has provided bread, but you complain anyway and say, and we detest this miserable food. Dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction, beloved, is the hallmark of humanity. Dissatisfaction springs from dismay and and, and disapproval and discomfort and displeasure. Discouragement leads to dissatisfaction, but all of it springs out of selfishness. Things are not going the way we think they should go, and we begin to get upset. We don't like the route that God is taking us or what he has prescribed for us, what God is trying to do in our lives. And we buck him at every turn. And then we begin to complain. Why? Because we're discouraged. Why? Because we're dismayed. Why? Because we're displeased. Why? Because we disapprove. Why? Because ultimately we're dissatisfied. And why are we dissatisfied? Because it's always all about us. Ephesians 2 and 3 says, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. As I've told you many times, naughty, come on somebody, by nature. We're naughty by nature. Now we're also naughty by nurture, but we are naughty by nature. We are born the children of wrath, even as others. Psalms 51, David says, uh, in, uh, in, in sin did my mother, I was born in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. David knew that it was a congenital condition that he had that led, led him to be as selfish as he was. It's the same congenital condition that you have. We are born children of wrath. And Romans 3 in, concludes with verse 23 and says, for all have what? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not one person that is born that can say, yeah, I was born with a sin nature, but I never did anything wrong. We're born with that sin nature, and then we prove it out by how we live our lives. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That dissatisfaction that you see right in that text leads to this, the demise. There's always a demise when it comes to selfish expression. We are self-determinative. All we want to do is what we want to do. But that path ultimately leads to destruction every single time. There is the revealed truth of God. And any time we make a choice that is independent from what God has revealed, it turns into absolute disaster. God wants to reveal truth and then have us depend on that truth. But when we move independently from God, we will suffer our own demise because selfishness always leads, come on somebody, to suffering. The Lord sent venomous stakes among them. 
they bit the people and many Israelites died. The serpent represents sin, beloved. The serpent represents sin all the way from Genesis 3 when it says the serpent. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And again, the serpent was the one who did what? Approached Adam and Eve. The serpent was the one who said, did God really say that if you did this? The serpent represents sin. And guess what? You and me, every last person that you know or who has ever lived except for one has been bitten by the bug of sin. That sin that we've all been bitten by this serpent from the beginning until now. And the scripture says here that many died. Now they've got what I would describe as this dissatisfaction has led to what? Their demise. But then they're now in a place where there is a dilemma. It's the same dilemma that you face. Or may have faced in your life. You get to a place where you realize you have been bitten by sin and everybody around you is dying. So if that, come on somebody, if that sin bite is left untreated, it will lead to death. For the wage of sin is death. Again, you're, you're, you're at the sin buffet, beloved. All you can eat. And you've been eating and eating and eating and eating and enjoying yourself. But then the bill comes and you can't pay it. Satan gave you the bill and he told you it was all you could eat for $6.99. And you didn't realize and read the small print that it's not $6.99. It's a whole lot more than that. The actual wage on that bill is death. And guess what? You can't pay it. So you got a dilemma. There's a dilemma that's there. And the children of Israel asked Moses to intercede for them. And then God provided an answer. He said, listen, the people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. You think for the 412th time, you you, you still can't get this thing right. Uh, pray for us to the Lord that he will take away the snakes from among us. So Moses prayed for the people. Moses did what he always did. Moses is an intercessor. Moses was the one that was a priest uh, before the Lord. And, and so he always took the concerns of the people. Moses was like, you messed up again. Trust me, I know. I just messed up one chapter ago and I lost the promised land. Because sin has consequences. He says, Moses, you didn't speak to the rock like I told you you decided to smack that rock like Will Smith snapped Chris Rock you lost it you lost it at the moment when I needed you come on to be on stage and everything I've done for you in that moment when you were supposed to honor me you honored yourself you took that and you said nope I'm going to not speak to the rock I'm going to strike the rock the Rock. Come on, somebody. Chris Rock. No, I'm just playing. It's, it's, it's just, that's over there. That's over there. That's not, that's not what the scripture is saying. Strike the Rock. Dear God. Dear God. But that's the dilemma. But even in a place of dilemma, you see God provides deliverance. He provides deliverance. 
it says this. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at it, he lived. Jesus' words, John chapter 3. Most popular passage of scripture is John 3.16, but let me take you back a couple of verses. Starting at verse 14, and as Moses, this is Jesus' words, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Peace out. How is it that this serpent is the one that always represents sin and the serpents came out and they bit the people and they died. But then God told Moses to make a serpent and that if they looked at the serpent, they would live. Let, 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 let me holler at you for a second. And if you if you want these people to say, I, I don't want too much information, d- d- you could turn your you could turn your mind off for just a second. I wouldn't recommend it. But 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 let but let me tell you seven things about the atonement. Just just seven. Just let me tell you seven. And, and, and if you and if you don't really want to take notes or you don't want to pay attention and you don't really get excited about what God is doing. Just remember this. Everything that God does is comprehensive and complete. That's the takeaway. So if you want to skip to the end, it's 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 comprehensive and it's complete. We're talking about the atonement at the cross of, of, of Calvary. We have to look to the atonement at the cross. Amen. Christ's atonement. Atonement meaning payment or sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 9 says Jesus became a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. We're talking about the atonement. We're talking about the sacrifice. Let me just give you seven things about it and again if you just want to skip to the end and put your brain in park just remember the whole point of me telling you what i'm telling you is so that you'll understand that when god gets in and what god does what he does it's always comprehensive and it's complete expiation expiation is an aspect of the atonement expiation means cleansing from corruption Colossians 1 and 14 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. I'm telling you, beloved, expiation is in the atonement. I'm telling you, propitiation, come on somebody, is in the atonement. Propitiation means satisfaction or appeasement, amen? First John 4 and 10 says, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It means that that sacrifice was pleasing to him. You couldn't do it couldn't get it done with the blood of bulls and goats you couldn't get it done with an imperfect sacrifice it had to be the savior it had to be his son because that's the only thing that could have pleased him 
propitiation. And then there's an element of the atonement called imputation. Amen. Imputation means Christ gave us his righteousness. This is the time that you should start to think about shouting. This is, this is almost shout time. I, I just told you expiation and propitiation, but now I'm talking you to you about imputation. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You're no longer clothed in your own righteousness because Isaiah says your righteousness is as filthy rags. You're clothed in the righteousness that comes from Christ. Amen. That's imputation. Oh, come on, somebody. Then there's this fourth element. It's called reconciliation. Reconciliation. For if when we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Reconciliation. It ended the hostility between God and man. There was a hostile relationship we had because of sin. And reconciliation only comes through the Savior's atoning sacrifice at the cross of Calvary. I'm telling you, if you can't get excited about one through four, maybe this will move you. It's a tough crowd this morning. I thought this was a, I thought this was a Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday crowd. I'm, I'm getting a, a Tuesday evening at, at, at 6.30 when the dishes need to get done crowd. I'm looking for the crowd that understands that in the atonement there's liberation. For as much then as the children are forsakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might do what? Destroy him that had the power of death and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He delivered you from the bondage of death. He delivered you from the fear of death. If you have accepted the sacrifice that he made, there is liberation, beloved, in the atonement. And then there's domination. There's domination. Our sister Kelly in her spoken word piece already alluded to the domination that happens because blotting out the handwritings of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross and having done what? Spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly triumphing over them in the cross. He's already had the victory parade because whether Satan realizes it or not, it's over. Oh, death, where is thy staying? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Amen. There is domination that's there. And no, and if that's not enough, I told you there's what? Expiation, there's propitiation, there's imputation, there's reconciliation, liberation, domination. Now how much would you pay? 1995? 29.95 three easy payments of 39.95 now there's still one more thing wait there's more and this is the one that drills down into our text in numbers and it's only free to you because it's paid for substitution Substitution. Why would Jesus say, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so much must the son of man be lifted up? Because there is substitution 
Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's Galatians 3 and 13. First Peter 2 and 24 says, who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. And this is my favorite verse, uh, one of my favorite verses, Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5 and 20. Uh, what he hath made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him he's the bronze serpent that is lifted up because he literally became sin for us he wasn't bitten by sin but he became sin so much so that on the cross God the Father turned his back and Jesus says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because at that moment he was sin and his holiness could not look at that sacrifice that was being made, but it had to go down like that if there is no substitution. That's why Jesus says, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. That's how I'm going to make the deliverance. And he foreshadowed that in scripture 1400 years before Christ made his sacrifice. And then what you notice about God's deliverance in numbers is the same thing you'll notice about God's deliverance to you. It was free. (laughs) It was sufficient. It was available. And it was immediate. Amen. It was, it was free. Come on, somebody. It was, it was available. It was sufficient and it was immediate. If you, if you read it, it says, and the Lord said, make that snake. And so Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Anybody that looked, he lived. There was free. He said, all I got to do. And at that point, you could, you could say to yourself, I don't like the sacrifice. I don't like your solution. I got the dilemma, but I don't like the deliverance. If you don't look, you don't live. But if you look, you live. And that's what's so tragic about the scripture. It says, if anyone was bitten and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. It was sufficient for all, but it was only efficient for those that believed. That's the same thing that happens today. The sacrifice that Christ made at the cross of Calvary is efficient. It's sufficient for everybody, but it's only efficient if you look and you live. That's all he's asking you to do this morning. He's asking you to look and to live. It's the only way. He did not give a menu of items to Moses. Make a snake. Make a rabbit. Tell him to eat a herb. Tell him to look this way. Tell him to... No, there's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is one, uh, uh, there is, there's none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's the only way. It's free. It's sufficient. It's available. The healing is immediate. And it's the only way. And what God is looking for is for you to make a decision of faith and then make a demonstration of faith. Look and 
live, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be Save for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God did not leave us hanging out there when we were dying in sin. He was so familiar with your dissatisfaction at everything he did. Your complaints, my complaints, we're always making some demands. We're always discouraged, always dismayed. It's always about us. Again, that's the insurrection that requires a resurrection. Familiar with how we get down, familiar with humanity, familiar with selfishness, familiar with self-destruct, uh, self-determination that always leads to destruction, familiar with the fact that Satan is always willing to provide some self-deception that will lead to death and understanding even further that God's, God's remedy for all of that is I need you to have some self-denial that'll lead to discipleship. Amen. He says, I need you to look and live. And so he didn't leave us hanging out there. He knew we were coming up short, so he did something about it. I told you the how. He says, as as the son of man, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. How? He said, I'm going to answer the how. I've got to be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now let me tell you the why. For God so loved the world. That's your verse. If you don't know any other verse in the Bible, you know that verse. You know John 3.16. I'm telling you, for God so loved the world. That's an affirmation from the truth of God. God is love. Amen. Because he is love, he says, I love the world. So you have to understand it very simply. That verse says, because he is love, he loves. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's the demonstration of love it's an affirmation from truth but it's a demonstration of love that whosoever believeth in him should not perish an invitation by mercy but have everlasting life salvation through grace four simple things four simple things in john three sixteen. i need your i need your minds turned back on amen if you didn't want to if you didn't, if you didn't care about the list just again, takeaway, com- comprehensive, complete. File that. Okay, now we back in it. Amen. It's an affirmation from truth. It's a demonstration of love. It's an invitation by mercy. It is salvation through grace. He says you'll have everlasting life. He is offering that connection and that reconciliation and restoration. And I want you to celebrate today that God was reconciling us in Christ Jesus at the cross of Calvary. That he's simply saying, just like they did in numbers, look and live. Look and live. I don't need you to move. I don't need you to do anything. You don't have to earn it. All you need to do, if you have been bitten by sin, and trust me, you have. And eventually you will die. Why? Because the wage of sin is death. He's saying simply, Look to what I have provided. Look to who I have provided. As the, as Moses lifted up that bronze serpent, 
Jesus said, I will become sin for you who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you to look and live. It's free. It's available. It's sufficient. Amen. And it's immediate. There's no process other than you saying, I want to look and I want to live. I need a declaration of faith and then a demonstration of faith. He loves you more than anything else tonight, today, excuse me. You better leave here knowing God loves you. And he demonstrated that love at the cross of Calvary. So when you say, I don't know if he loves me. He looks at his his hands and says, really? I think I do. I think I've shown it. I think that we know that God is love according to 1 John 4 and 8. But it's not just that he is love, but he demonstrates love. And he shows grace and I show mercy. All I want you to do, beloved, is to understand that you need to look and live. You've been bitten. You've been bitten by sin. We all have. That's our demise. That's our dilemma that we don't have a way to heal ourselves. Only the healing that we can get comes from God and we know that he made a sacrifice and a payment that is what he did at the cross of Calvary and that payment was comprehensive and that payment was complete is there one today that has never trusted Jesus Christ as personal savior never trusted him but you're dying and you know it you're dying You've never lived. You think you're living. But Jesus says, I came that they might have life. And they might have it more abundantly. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you are literally a dead man walking. You're moving, but you're not alive. The only life happens when you look and you live. Who wants to look and live today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there one today that wants to look and live? One who says, I've never trusted Jesus Christ, but now I understand it's free and it's immediate. I understand that God loves me and he loves me so much so that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not die, but have everlasting life. And that in the cross of Calvary, you have provided so much. You've provided cleansing and you've provided reconciliation and you've provided a payment that appeases you and you've, and you've provided uh, domination even of the enemy and you even provided substitution so that I might be clothed in your righteousness. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's exciting. Oh, on this day when, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we could resurrect dead lives for those that would simply look and live. It's our prayer today, Father, and our desire to see others come look and live. And for those of us who have looked and lived, to appreciate all that you have done for us. Because without our insurrection, there would be no need for this resurrection. But you saw our dilemma, and you provided deliverance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.